The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and oops, I apologize, had a little uh, information being said on the back end that I wasn't supposed to have, okay, all right, let's start this over again, welcome to True Transforms, I'm your host, uh, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Well, the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. First of all, this is the first time I've had an opportunity to communicate and connect with you this year, so Happy New Year. And I hope that you have outlined some new ambitions, some new goals, some new desires for you to live a better life. You know, a new year doesn't necessarily mean you have to start new. Your new year can start any day, any minute, any moment. You know, but at this time of the year, people are normally looking at how they can recalibrate and do some different things. The difference between what you will make happen and what you won't make happen will be determined by a few factors. One will be your uh, consistency. Once you make a goal... You have to remain consistent. You have to be in integrity with what you said you're going to do. The second thing is obviously skill. You know, do you have the skill to do the things you say you want to do? And if not, what do you need to go get or find or discover or learn so you can be equipped to do what you want to do in life? And then there's willpower. Even though people talk about many of the other spiritual gifts, you know, imagination, faith, and, you know, love, et cetera. Sooner or later, willpower matters because you have to be able to push through for your breakthrough. And that means, as I've said often on this show, changing your mind and keeping it changed. There is no way to get around changing your mind and keeping it changed. Therefore, not only must you be willing to follow spirit, You must be willful enough to stay on track 
So willpower does matter. Now, today we're going to be wrapping up the last uh, chapter in the series on Prosperity's Ten Commandments. And the reason why we're um, wrapping it up is because we've covered the book. We've done a lot of good work with this book, and I want to make sure that we wrap it up well. One of the things that I do want to get across again as we cover this series and for the next series, I won't have a a book. It'll be a short series where I'll just be covering some different new thought topics with some people. I want to make sure that, you know, that you give yourself the best opportunity to win by actually taking the time to read. One of the things that affects our ability to really get this type of teaching is at this point in time, the distractions, you know, one of the things that I told someone recently uh, was that I am glad that I learned new thought before the era of the cell phone. Why? Because notifications and social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, emails, uh, you know, text messages, you know, messenger, direct messages, you know, et cetera, calls. So when I was learning new thought and there was no such thing as social media, internet was still doing AOL dial-up and if a person didn't catch you on the phone, you know, they might be able to catch you via beeper. But that was about as good as it get. It got back then. And what it, d- it did was my brain wasn't trained for distraction. I would study, get a book, study it for hours, highlight it, write in it, make notes, etc. Now, even to write a sermon, I have to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. And train my brain not to check my phone. So... I give it to the people who today who are zeroing in because the cell phone is a blessing. It allows people to stay in contact. It does many things. I love social media, love my cell phone, love all the stuff. But I do know that the notifications and the scrolling through the Instagrams and the Facebooks and et cetera and seeing who said what and, and endless YouTube videos can be a distraction for people who are trying to learn something fundamentally for the first time, it gives you access to information, by the way. So that's the blessing. If you want to hear the best speakers and teachers in the world on a particular subject, you can go right to it on YouTube or websites or different social media platforms. The challenge is that's not what many people are doing when it comes to their phones. So I want to just say to you, your willpower is going to matter because you're going to have to, Put the phone down and meditate. Put the phone down and write out your game plan. Put the phone down and do your prayer work. Put the phone down and study. Put the phone down and take the class or the webinar or whatever. Now, if the webinar is through your phone, great, God be the glory. The point that I'm making is zeroing in on what it takes to be prosperous means that you can't lose the time that is spent on idle time. If you ask yourself, and I'm going to get to the chapter that I have to teach momentarily, but if you ask yourself on a day-to-day basis, how much time do you 
waste. That's just whatever it is. You know that, you know, I'm not saying your brain has to be on all the time, by the way, because it's good to be able to watch TV, go to movies, you know, check your social media and whatever. But but whatever beyond your brain needs to just decompress, what would you consider wasteful? An hour? Two hours? Let me just ask you this. If, let's just say, for instance, that you have between the course of a day, checking your phone off and on, checking your phone off and on, notifications, text messages, that and other, sometimes stuff that's really not super important, or people who are taking up your time, you know, call you in the middle of the day, you have a, you're working, you're running your business, you're doing what you got to do, and they just want to chit-chat, t- talk idle time because they have idle time. All those things matter. Say, say for instance, just just say conservatively, that's two hours a day, and that's conservative. You know, the average person picks up their cell phone or looks at their cell phone, picks it up. Uh, I believe the last time I checked, it was so, almost 90 times a day. So let's just say conservatively is two hours. If you took that two hours and spent 30 minutes a day, every day, let's, 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 yeah, let's just say you took, yeah, 30 minutes a day for a year just studying just studying 30 minutes prayer, little meditation, write down your goals. 30 minutes. In a in a course of a year, that would be 10,950 minutes. 10,950 minutes. Let's think about that. If you spent an hour, an hour daily, say 30 minutes in the daytime, in the morning, 30 minutes before you go to sleep, praying, meditating, journaling, writing out your goals, writing gratitude lists, you know, reading your book that you wanted, etc. an hour a day for a year. 21,900 minutes. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. You know. So so the question comes into play is this. How much willpower do you have to pull your mind back to what it is that you want and consistently do it over and over again no matter what because it's going to be in how you utilize time because you're not managing time how can you manage something that is not finite you're not managing time as much as you're maximizing time you're you're maximizing it because it's it's Here's the thing about time. It's moving. It's moving. Period. It's moving. And either 
you utilize it effectively or not. You utilize it effectively or not. So, remember I talked about that 21,900 minutes. If you took an hour a day, that's 365 hours. How much time, how many things could you learn well, develop, think, and contemplate on? If you took 365 hours a year to study, just say you you put together a financial game plan. You're praying, you're meditating, you're visualizing, you're journaling, you're making gratitude lists, you're making a game plan for execution, and you're evaluating the process. And you took an hour a day for a year for the inner work, the prayer, the meditation, the visualization, you know, journaling, et cetera, and then the the execution, which is, you know, study, create the plan, do the work. Do you think you could change your money dynamics in one year if all you did with 365 hours? Again, we're only talking about one hour a day and what you could do to shift and change your prosperity almost immediately. Now, I know people will say, well, you know, I have a job, I work, I you know, I have kids, I have two jobs, I'm stressed, I'm this, that, and other. But let me just challenge you. If you have a, a modern smartphone, I know the iPhone, iOS does it. I don't know about Androids and other type of phones. But they normally will give you your screen time, your weekly screen time. And what does that mean? If you have any modern version of, uh, of an iPhone, and I believe they still they do this with the Android phones, you can check how many hours a day you spend with legitimate screen time, meaning you the phone is in your hand or you're watching something on your phone. And see, out of that screen time, if you can squeeze an hour a day, not all at one time, it could be 15, 15, 15, 15, but an hour a day to work on the main thing or the main goals or the big dream, or and that could be money, that could be relationships, that can be self-improvement, that can be your spirituality, it can be your religious beliefs. It can be your health. What would 365 hours look like of, of meditation and exercise? What would that do for your body, for instance? Or running a treadmill for 30 minutes and then doing other exercises for 30 minutes. Or doing yoga, a yoga class for an hour or some type of stretching class, or whatever. My point is this. It takes willful consistency to be excellent. Willful consistency 
to be excellent. All right. So I'm looking at the time. and I'm like, oh, shoot, I need to get to the book. But I have one more thing I need to say before I get to the book, because this is a new year. And I want to make sure that I, I'm talking to you in a way that gives you the results, helps you get the results you desire. Don't get distracted by problems. If you are alive in in a body, not just eternal life, you know, the spiritual you, I'm talking about the physical human being you that's listening to this podcast. That means that you're in the constant experience of balancing your life. Just like a tightrope walker. They just don't walk across the tightrope. They use a pole. Why do they use the pole? Because they wouldn't be able to walk across the tightrope without the pole. The pole is a way, a, 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 a tool that is used to help balance their weight. So you use these spiritual principles that you are, that you're, that you're, comprehending to help you balance and transcend the things that are going on. But as you transcend one thing, you're working on something else because as you climb to the top of the ladder, only thing you'll discover is there's another ladder. Life is about continuous growth and development. There is no such thing as just making it. And the larger your goals, the larger your plans, the more stuff you have to juggle. And that's great because the alternative is what? Not be here? People, I just can't deal with all this stuff that I'm dealing with. If you have big ideas, big goals, then guess what? It's going to require more of you. Point blank. Don't, don't run away from the problems. You know, it's like Tony Robbins says that, you know, he had to help his wife understand that as large as their company is, all these multiple companies he has, a $4 billion empire, that at any moment, somebody who he employs is screwing up, doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And because it's the human dynamic People, people do things wrong intentionally. People do things wrong unintentionally. People understand. People don't understand. People comprehend. People don't comprehend. People get in their feelings. Some people don't show any feelings. Some people want attention. Some people want recognition. Some people have things going on at home. Some people have things going on in their bodies. Some people are worried about the, their rent not getting paid. Some people are worried about their car being repossessed and everything in the middle. And when we get that, that's a part of, he once he realized that that was a part of his process, instead of getting upset about problems, he realized that one, to live life means that you're in the process of becoming. It's about continuous growth. It's always something to work through. There is no such thing as everything is peaceful, everything is calm, all the time, consistently, forever. It will always be things to adapt, change, and adjust in life. 
There were people, if I could just get things to stay the way they are right now, well, it was calm. I used to have that thought, like, I just want everybody just to be cool. I want everybody in the family just to be well and no drama and no whatever. And it was an unrealistic perception. It was an unrealistic belief because I was trying to stop life. You can't stop life. You deal with life. You overcome the challenges that you that are presented to you in life. And you grow in the ways your soul needs to grow through life experiences. So one of the reasons why we're here is for us to grow and evolve to a realization of who we are spiritually. And we do that through the development of our consciousness through experiences. Now, I get that Charles Fillmore would say things like experience is the school of fools. And he was saying that from the standpoint of if the only way you can learn a thing is through experiencing it, then that's not the primary method. The primary method is to learn spiritually. But even after you learn spiritually what to do, you still have to go live it. You still have to go live it. And that's key. All right, let's take a look at the book here. So I want to make sure that I do cover what I need to cover. So hopefully that was helpful to you. And, you know, we can go forward and do the things that we need to do. All right. So. The Tenth Commandment is you shall not limit yourself by coveting that which is another's. You shall claim your own. The scripture references Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So let me just start off right off the bat. The prosperity statement here is fantastic. The Exodus statement needs context. You have to remember in in this era or this time in the uh, Near East or Middle East, um, th- this was really only talking about men, uh, you know, unfortunately, and even things like your neighbor's wife and male or female slave or ox house were all considered prop. Women were considered property. And it's an unfortunate thing. But as you read it, you need to know that context because they were speaking as if all of those things were, including human beings, were up individual males property. And, you know, that's a part of human consciousness that, unfortunately, we're still overcoming in certain parts of the world. Anyway, moving right along. On page 122, this chapter is really about what we covet or covetousness, covetousness. He says, she says on page 122, when we cover, what does it show up as? It shows up as the things in life we don't want when we cover other people's stuff instead of getting our own by right of consciousness. She wrote that the, on page 122, the understanding mind, however, realizes that covetousness is the mental cause from which the outer effects of lying, stealing, adultery, and killing emanate. Following, following the example of Jesus, we too may draw an illustration from nature and call covetousness the mental soil in which weed ideas germinate and eventually blossom forth, bringing fruit of an evil nature. Now, what is she saying? She's saying that many times when we 
function out of a sense of lack that somebody has something that I don't or we don't, then I start to covet it. I will start to potentially sacrifice my own integrity to get something that I have not earned by right of consciousness. Uh, And it compromises our intention. What do I mean by that? So say, for instance, you want something legitimately. You know, like say, for instance, you might admire a friend of yours wife and the qualities she has or a friend of yours husband for the qualities he has. But that doesn't mean that you should go after your friend's spouse. It's the qualities that you appreciate. And that's what you should be trying to if that's what you like, then that's what you should be seeking in your own relationships. Don't cover somebody else's spouse or you see somebody else's good instead of trying to steal it and take it develop your own you know one of the things that i push back against a lot is the belief that if you are poor that means that you have to have compromised integrity you know my my grandparents grew up and my maternal grandparents grew up in what people would consider extreme poverty in Jim Crow South in Mississippi, in the Delta. And the stories that they would tell me about how poor they were. And, and my grandmother, my grandfather had it worse because mother passed away as a, as a, uh, when he was nine and he had to end up dropping out of grammar school in the middle of the sixth grade to take care of his siblings they were that poor uh and you know my grandmother you know and her siblings eating food from utensils sometimes they would find on the road and clean it up you know throw people some people would throw away but they were honest good people with integrity who believed in doing things right and treating people properly and 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 going and get your own. It's no excuse to turn into a derelict just because you don't have. Now, I understand how you can get there. But when the parents hold the line that you can still have integrity and not allow lack of education or lack of money to, to, to make you do things that your soul knows it's not right for you to do. So I, just, I do want to put that out because a lot of times people want what they see. And when and when mechanisms aren't put in place for it, it becomes a problem. And I do believe that society's responsibility is to help people create the opportunities for people to take advantage of. I do believe in that completely, wholeheartedly. Um, but we'll drill down more on that as we get to the book. It's time for the first break Um so or the only break now we're not doing two breaks anymore so uh we'll be right back with true transforms and as we when we get back we'll drill down on this chapter and you know we're gonna work it because it works if you work it i'll be right back Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts on living an abundant life. Examine your life. Whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had, realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get into our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Discover Unity Village, and you'll find a peaceful oasis just 15 miles from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. If you're doing business in the area or looking for the perfect place for your retreat or conference, check out all that Unity Village has to offer. With 1,200 wooded acres, a beautiful nature trail, award-winning rose garden, golf course, and newly redesigned hotel and conference center, Unity Village has everything you need for that perfect event. Go to unityvillage.org to find out more. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms again. I'm back from the break and we're talking about the things that we covet. So let's get right back to the book. On page 122, it it is written, covetousness is always the cause of stealing and adultery. And the inordinate desire for that which belongs to another culminates in these two evils. 
covetousness is also largely responsible for lying and killing, although the other causes frequently enter into these two violations of law. So right now she's dealing with the human aspect of it, not the prosperity teaching, but she was trying to show people that this consciousness of lack shows up as actual actions that are deplorable. And, you know, because when you have this belief that uh, something that somebody else has belongs to you, you might be willing to do crazy things to try to get it. All right. She says it best on page 123. When we covet, we limit ourselves because our false belief that God is unable to supply us with our heart's desires. Therefore, let's go back to the statement. You shall not limit yourself by coveting that which is another's. You shall claim your own. Now, before I get into breaking down the metaphysics of it, let me remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, my request is that you go to unityonlineradio.org, a shortcut is unity.fm, and click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. Pay it forward. And first of all, it benefits you because you're a listener. And two, it can help bless it by putting it out and helping us market and get it out to other people. This radio station has a voice that I believe can be transformational to the world. So let's get to it and get this work done. All right. So... Back to the book. You shall not limit yourself by coveting that which is another's. You shall claim your own. Covetousness is desire misinterpreted. Now, this is a key. Desire misinterpreted. Desire is a potent factor in the creative process. It is the initial step. Matter of fact, just taking a moment away from the book. Every time you study goal achievement, living your dreams, etc. The first thing you have to get present to is desire. Okay, because that's the divine impulse that 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 rises in you to let you know what is available to you spiritually. In the book, she quotes H. Emily Cady, who wrote, Desire for anything is the thing itself in incipiency. We can never truly desire anything that cannot exist for us. That's something to think about. We can never truly desire anything that cannot exist for us. You know, so then it goes on to say, we may wish for absurd or impossible things, but we cannot desire them for desire is insistent yearning and anything the heart yearns for insistently is possible to attain. Now, again, it's important to make sure that the desire is the divine impulse. As I mentioned earlier, if you see some qualities in somebody else that somebody else's significant other that you like, that doesn't mean go after that person's significant other. That means that those are qualities that you realize are consistent with who you are and your values and beliefs. Therefore, as you it doesn't make sense to cover what somebody else has. Or you're so lucky or you're so blessed. The key is to get in your consciousness and be open and receptive to the fact that on this planet of 7.5 billion people, 
there's somebody that meets that checks you know all the boxes that can uh, that you can have that experience with as well with those qualities not perfection because sometimes we walk around with these um you know uh you know mixture of whoever are our favorite people type thing without recognizing that you have blind spots, idiosyncrasies, habits and ways, and everybody else does. And the key to relationship in a real way is understanding how to work through your stuff and they work through their stuff so the best qualities of the two individuals can come together to create something greater. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you know, and what that means is that what are the agreements, what are the uh, non-negotiables, what are the things that you're flexible on, what are the things that you need out of a situation or relationship, et cetera. Moving on. Back to the book. It goes on to say on page 124. Desire is always the first indication of some good that God has for us. I just want you to just pause on that for a moment. Desire is always the first indication of some good that God has for us. What divine impulse, good, or idea is trying to be born through you? That initial stage, that first indication, is the desire. And here's the thing about desire. It pulls you towards a thing. A desire doesn't let you rest. A desire doesn't leave you alone. It doesn't make a difference. Here's the thing about desire, which is really funny. You can never act on it, and it will never leave you alone. Whatever you need to write, whatever you need to produce, whatever you need to do, the actions you need to take will always be tapping in your consciousness seeking attention. Now, we can come up with all the distractions in the world, like our cell phones. Everybody, you know, it depends on your era and genre. But people were distracted before cell phones. They just had different distractions. TV all day. Distraction. You know. People will find ways not to be in tune with the true desires of their heart. People will find ways to distract themselves so they don't have to live their dreams. People will sit on the couch knowing that they're not doing anything and they could be working on that goal and we just sit on the couch, watch TV, play on their phones, or just sit there thinking, I should be doing whatever it is right now and not doing it. Why? Because 
there's some beliefs that are inhibitors to what we're doing. And that's key. There's some beliefs. There's some beliefs. That's why we procrastinate. That's why we get lazy. That's why we get distracted. Some people get distracted by, quote unquote, good work. What do I mean? Always doing something for other folks. Always doing something other than what is needed in the moment. It's good work. And it's busy work. So I'm busy doing all this other stuff, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like having a job where people stay busy and they're doing stuff. And then when you come and check on their work, uh, hey, this needed to be done by this day. This needed to be done by this day. This needed to be done by this day. And all the excuses is all the stuff they've been doing. But that's not what your supervisor told you to do. Or that's not what the job is requiring. You're doing everything other than what the job requires. Or if the job has five main things you have to do, and you're doing the five lesser things out of the ten things that need to be doing need to be done, then you're not doing a good job. People will find busy work so they don't have to do the main work. I know I'm speaking kind of tough this morning. But in this new year, I want you to have the best opportunity to win. So it's coming from a honest and loving space in me, in my heart. Because I know what I do. I know what others around me have done. I, and I've been teaching new thoughts for 20 plus years. I've seen it. People will stay busy. It's sort of like marching in place. You can march in place for three days, but you will only be in the same spot, utilizing energy, tiring yourself out, and going nowhere. So the issue at hand is, is your actions effective? Effective. Because if they're not effective, then why are you doing them? If they're not getting you either where you want to be or closer to where you want to be, why are you doing them? It's just kind of that simple. It's just kind of that simple. So back to the book. It says on page 125, faith furnishes the absolutely right conditions under which God's spiritual substance, which Emerson calls the primary, primal rather, energy moves in restless, resistless rather, excuse me, power to make manifest the thing desired. Now, what is this in the context of? You don't cover it when you understand how spirit moves. That's what it's basically saying. And when you, by working your faith, start working with the invisible energy intelligence that we call spirit 
or through this infinite supply that we call the substance of God, the supply of God, the manna, uh, as it's called in Old Testament amongst many other things. In other words, that which is needed. By the way, the word manna in Hebrew means what is it? Literally, that's it means what is it? Because the Hebrew people didn't know what it was, but it took care of their hunger needs. So when they saw it, they start saying manna. They start calling it manna because they didn't know what it was. So they would say, what is it? Anyway, you have to get consistent with your manna because it might not show up in a way that you might think it does. So you have to be open and receptive spiritually to know what you need to do so your manna falls from heaven. And what that means is that you start to manifest the supply and substance of God from your higher realms of thinking. Not from your human thinking, but from the spiritual ideal in consciousness. Not from the the human beliefs. In other words, wherever I am, manna can fall or manifest. Wherever I am, I don't have to cover anybody else's anything. Wherever I am, God is. Supply is. Manna is. Back to the book. Page 127, she starts to talk about faith again, because that's how we get past coveting things. We have to have faith that we can bring our own good into manifestation. She says, faith is the starting point. Poised in faith, the soul becomes the instrument of God's action. Infinite wisdom guides and directs us whether or not we are aware of it. Divine love protects us and serves as a great magnet, drawing to us whatever is necessary for the fulfillment of our heart's desires. The limitless power of the spiritual energy of the universe brings all things on all planes together for the reciprocal working out of the desire. Faith is our contribution in any situation where desire is involved. God does the rest. Now, that's a lot of information. So let's kind of drill down on it. Faith is the starting point. Why is faith the starting point? Because over and over again, spiritual teachers tend to go back to faith. Even in metaphysics, when you do like the creative process of Genesis uh, chapter one, and if you're not familiar with that process, when I originally started the show in the first year, I did the creative process, which is the seven days of Genesis metaphysically interpreted. So you can go back and listen to those shows. Um, you know, so after illumination or let that be light, there's firmament. And the firmament is faith. You have to have a firm foundation in mind on which to build. You have to have a firm foundation in mind so you can build. Then it says, when you are poised in faith, you become an instrument of God's action. Because that foundation allows the spiritual principles to 
better function in your space. Spiritual principles are always working, but it is our understanding of the principles that allows them to properly manifest in our lives. If I don't all properly understand how a thing works, I can't get the maximum value or benefit from them. Then it goes on to say, infinite wisdom guides and directs us whether we are whether or not we are aware of it. So there's a divine navigation system within us. There's an internal GPS that allows us to do what we need to do, go where we need to go, etc. Infinite wisdom guides and directs. Now, there's a difference between wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is knowing what to do. Understanding is knowing why. Sometimes you'll know what to do and you won't know why. This is how you learn to develop and trust your intuition. Because it'll say, go here, call this person, do this, do that. And it's not always a comprehension thing, which is understanding or knowing. It is literally, let me rephrase it. Wisdom works through your decision making. So it'll guide your ability to choose and decide. And that's important. Because that means that you get the immediate effects of following infinite wisdom or not. You get the immediate effects. Whether you are aware of it or not. Divine love protects us, which means that anything that is not on that on your high spiritual consciousness vibration is dismissed because there are people who are functioning on different levels of consciousness and you want people that are coming into your space that are on a different plane of consciousness. Therefore, uh, and I say this in, not as a judgment against other human beings, so please understand when I say this, uh, you want high quality people around you. And I don't mean that from a standpoint of race or gender or orientation or religion. I'm talking about character. Character. It matters. It always will matter. And if you find yourself drawing low character people around you consistently, you might want to look at the man or woman in the mirror. As Michael Jackson said, I'm asking him to change his ways. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Now, if you want to make your world a better place, not just the world, take a look at yourself and make a change. Because they can't keep showing up without the common denominator. Yeah, the common denominator. Which means that there's some beliefs that need to be eradicated. Reverend Wells has said a couple, I think it was at Burning Bowl a couple of last week, that he asked the, the, the audience, how many of you plant weeds in your garden? I mean, in your lawn, excuse me. Like every year go out and plant weeds. And of course, nobody raised their hands. Raised their hand, rather. And then he basically said, well, how do they get there? If you're not going out 
and planting weeds in your lawn, how come every year in the spring and the summer, they're weeds? And if you don't do anything about it, they'll take over. It's just life. The wind blows and stuff just ends up on your lawn, the, the seeds of weeds, etc. And just because it's there, it happens. So you have to treat your lawn. You get the weed and feed. Uh, you know, you can spray it on. You can use seeds. You know, you can you connect the thing to the hose. You can get, you know, companies to come out and they treat your grass. It's a very intentional process to get weeds out of your lawn so the grass can be healthy. Well, that's a great analogy for life. You could be minding your business, just going on in life, going along to get along, not trying to mess with nobody, trying to keep your head low, stay out of trouble, do your work, take care of your family, and do what you need to do. And life can rock your world because you're not being intentional about treating your mind. So the weed thoughts of victimization, the weed thoughts of lack, the weed thoughts of sickness, the weed thoughts of separation from God and your good, the weed thoughts of conflict, the weed thoughts of anger, frustration, and resignation are just in the thought atmosphere. It's just there. Because as you think you're generating mental energy, your impulses, so the human being has is affected by the people on the planet and who have lived on the planet previously. All are part of what in New Thought we call it race consciousness. But it's just the thought atmosphere of the collective thoughts and be- feelings and beliefs of humanity throughout the history of humanity. So if you are not treating your mind to protect it from the weeds, you can be nice and kind and loving and have your life be wrecked because you're not intentional about your mind. Eventually, the weeds will grow and you'll start to draw, attract, and manifest things that are consistent with the weeds. So just like you would use your weed and feed for your lawn or hire a company to treat your lawn or get in and in, in literally by hand or through tools, pull the weeds out of your lawn, you have to be that consistent and more about your mind. That consistent and more about your mind. So, in the on page one twenty eight, the author gives ten affirmations that kind of sum up prosperity's ten commandments. They are number one: I look only to God for my prosperity. Number two: I make no mental images of lack. Number three: I speak no word of limitation. Number four, I let go and let God work in my affairs. Number five, I deal honorably with God and all God's pay clerks. Number six, 
I keep my wealth circulating wisely. Number seven, I use my wealth for good purposes only. Number eight, I strive to get something, excuse me, number eight, I never strive to get something for nothing. Number nine, I never talk poverty. Excuse me, let me start over again. Number nine, I never talk poverty. I tell the truth about God's abundance. Number 10, I take my eye off my neighbor's wealth. I claim my own. So these are potential 10 affirmations that you can use to help transform your consciousness. But remember what I said earlier. It will make a difference how you maximize your time in the consciousness of producing wealth. Let me remind you yet again, now that we're at the end of this series, uh, that the next several series, I'll just be covering different subjects and having people come on and whatever, have you all call in, et cetera, et cetera. Let me also remind you that this show has a Facebook page, True Transforms, with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like it. Um, We'll give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. The show is also on iTunes Podcast and Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R, for Android devices. My request yet again is that you uh, give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. It helps with the algorithms of what we're doing. Um, Also be reminded that I've been mentioning that I got something coming down the pike uh, as far as some personal projects that you can plug into that can help you um, take your life to another level. So it's coming soon. Be on the lookout for it. You know, we're going to make this stuff work. We're going to, you know, get this good. So God bless you. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.